We're recording this in one of, if not the highest volume years that travel has ever seen. With that being said, there is more room for error, less time for details, and more on the line than ever before. Today, we're here with Ashlyn Puckett, our community manager, to talk about how automation can help streamline your client experience, as well as enhance your business. If you listen before, you know that systems are my thing. I love finding ways to work smarter, not harder. So this topic is particularly exciting for myself. We're going to start this episode with sharing our favorite thing to automate in business and then touch on some other systems that complement these automations. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teeth. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. My favorite thing that I probably implemented slightly too late was Google Voice. If you're not familiar with Google Voice, I'm going to talk through some of the features of that because I had a personal cell phone. I never had a business cell phone. So if you have both, good for you. I know that there are some people that actually lock their business phone at certain times of day. So it's not distracting or they put no notifications on things like that. Good for you if you're doing that. And that's the boundary that you've set. However, I felt particularly when clients were traveling that I needed to have an open line, but I didn't want that phone number advertised or shared until they were going on their trip. So enter Google Voice. With Google, with anything, you kind of need to register your phone number a lot of places. So regardless, clients are going to find you. They're going to find your phone number, even if you're not putting it in your signature line. So for me, I found that I was getting a lot of solicitation or referral phone calls, and I wanted a single number that people could call, and I would know that it was business. Also, because I felt like it was very strange that my family and friends were getting this voicemail that was like, welcome to Explore Tour Travel. It just felt highly impersonal to the people that were most important in my life. And it creates a mental imbalance. Like when you are putting a voice recorder on that's for your business and people are calling that phone number, it doesn't feel so warm and fuzzy. And and it's clear that your business is running your life and not the reverse. And that's where I just started to feel completely out of balance. I signed up for Google Voice and you can change the ringtone. So it's obvious when it's going to be a business call versus a personal call. It also, when someone leaves a voicemail, you can get an email with the transcription of what that is so that you can answer it in your own time. And you could even email them back if it's maybe a business that's trying to reach you or if it's a solicitation, you know how to handle that. But regardless, that voice recording is going to be transcribed to your email, which I really loved. You can make international calls at a low rate, which is actually why I think I started researching it, not for the boundaries purpose, but I loved the automation of being able to respond to the voicemails through texts as well. So there's also a texting component here. So anything that people are reaching out to you for through your phone I know this isn't a podcast on boundaries, it's on automation, but it all goes hand in hand because my voicemail also directs people to my website, my inquiry form, or my email. So that kind of automation tells people where to go to find me in a more seamless way so that I'm not a slave to the phone all the time. And I know 
Again, we've mentioned this. If you are like, no, I pick up my phone, my clients need me and that's poor service. Every other business in the world has a receptionist. So to me, Google Voice creates a digital reception and you can triage that as you wish. The other thing that I felt goes hand in hand with that, but also streamlines responses is an automatic autoresponder in your, that was very redundant, an email autoresponder that's up all the time. And people have bucked this when we mentioned it. They're like, that feels impersonal. They're getting your autoresponder all the time. Yes, they are. Because again, it's a form of reception and triage in this digital age. And it directs people to the best way to get a hold of me. So it would have a link to the inquiry form. If clients are in travel, it's going to have the best way of getting a hold of me. If someone doesn't know anything about my business, it's got FAQs. It could have even a link to payments. So you're directing people to the ways that work for you without having to respond. And I really took the onus off of responding once I implemented this because I was like, it's their responsibility to read my autoresponder. And it says in all caps, important, please read or something of that nature so that people do know to read it in a response. Our niche community actually has those scripts for the email and voice autoresponder. So if you're not a member of niche, that is an example of a resource that we do share. It's also an ongoing conversation because I swear people have perfected this pushback and and directing people accordingly. Those are my, I would say they're hand in hand. So it's one favorite, but it's two different systems and very client focused. I wanted to create as many obstacles as possible to get the right clients through the door. If you're listening to this in hopes of hearing a single nugget of information that could change your business, then let us share the one thing that transformed our days from scattered to streamlined, creating a defined client experience with templated emails, forms, and automated task lists. That's exactly why we created our Elevated Experience Workflow. Designed to work in TravelJoy, but easily transferable to other platforms, our program can help you skip the copy-paste routine, save you from sending touchpoint texts on weekends, avoid missing important details, and protect your business by capturing signatures throughout the process. And if you're also thinking, that's great, but when do I have time to implement all that? Skip the stress and use the button in the program portal to have us implement your new client workflow within days. The key to loyal returning clients and the link to protect your piece is in the show notes. Well, the email autoresponder is huge because yeah, if people think that it feels impersonal, I think the opposite. We live in like a world of instant gratification. So like by setting the tone for when you're going to be able to respond to somebody, whether that's like within a certain time frame, having a simple email responder with all of those things that Jen mentioned, but maybe the first is like, Hey, rest assured your email is safe and sound in my inbox. I check email from this time to this time at this time, you know, maybe it's summer and it's June and requests are out of control. You can give people an expectation of, I will get back to you within 72 hours, 48 hours, probably not 24 hours in June, but I think it's just, it's really polite and full transparency. It doesn't feel impersonal at all. I think most businesses actually use them. I've seen them used a lot, even in other industries now. I hadn't seen that before I started working with Jen. I think it also protects your liability too, because you can 
provide some risk management verbiage up front. You could even provide a how we work hyperlink if you've created a hidden page on your website, things like that, that allow people to know information about you before actually getting through to your inquiry form. It's all about creating automations that help you talk to the right people and invest the time that you need to for the highest return on investment and revenue for you. If automations create boundaries, great. Most do, I would say. But if those automations are also reducing clicks or reducing effort, that's the goal here. With that being said, Robin, as a business owner, what are your favorite automation systems to employ? I love ClickUp. Obviously, I love all systems, but we recently really invested in ClickUp to make it a true project management hub for our team. And as part of that building process, I created a financial dashboard for Jen and I. So it gives us a bird's eye view of our finances at a quick glance. So every time somebody makes a purchase or a payment inside of Dubs Auto for, say, a service, we get a zap that will send that information into our revenue tracking list inside of ClickUp. From there, I built out an internal dashboard for Jen and I. So it's really, really cool. It's like it shows our total income for the year, our total income for the current month, the percentage breakdown of where our income is coming from. So what percentage of our revenue is service-based or membership-based or course-based because that's going to give us so much information as business owners. And it actually also has a bar chart that is a visual representation of our earnings per month. So we can see wow, February exploded. Why? What did we do differently? Was it that email? So each month we can sit down on our executive calls and make data-driven decisions on our business, which I think is so, so important. I have too much on my plate. I'm doing too many things to sit down and constantly like go in and upload all these individual invoices and payments into a data sit like a Google sheet or a ClickUp or anything like that. So Zapier connecting with ClickUp has been absolutely amazing for us. And again, gives us a really cool bird's eye view. So if you're not using ClickUp, we recommend syncing your QuickBooks account to your transactions and uploading your receipts. So QuickBooks is what most bookkeepers use. And there are many cap- more capabilities than just producing a P&L statement. They actually offer an app that allows you to categorize, <laughs> categorize, <laughs> categorize purchases in real time. You're not like reconciling everything at the end of the month or year, which actually takes 500 years to do and disrupting your entire business, you know, to search for charges, especially with us and advisors traveling so often. I get so caught up. Like I get all my receipts because talk to your accountant and know what's a business expense first. Not, I'm not trying to like put anybody in jail, but it's so helpful when you're sitting down at like a supplier lunch in Italy instead of like, you know, at the end of the day, just make it a habit before you go to bed, lay out all the receipts from the day and actually take like inventory of everything. And it's just like your nightly routine to go ahead and upload anything that needs to be categorized, tag it appropriately. And then boom, the offer receipt capture expense tracking. They do mileage tracking, bill management, and can kind of also help with forecasting. So really awesome platform there as well. Any and all financial automations are so helpful at the end of the year. Again, you're a travel advisor, you're a business owner. I am not an accountant. I don't like math. I don't like accounting, but I like to know where my numbers are at. And I think it's incredibly important. I don't want to ever just fly blind in my business. I always want that, that snapshot. So that's kind of how we automate that piece of our business. As far as QuickBooks is concerned, I never use them to the fullest. I'll be completely honest, but Everyone knows I've been audited. 
and came out unscathed. So I had the receipts, everything like that, but it derailed my whole, I'll say three months of compiling. Like I was compiling blog posts to justify why I went to a certain destination because this was like back when everyone wanted to become a travel blogger. So they thought that I was just swipe swiping to go to Europe without like a real business plan. So I had to like justify, I sold this trip. Here's the receipt for the deposit because I took this trip, which I wrote a blog on. And that is so much of a spider web connection. Like don't just don't get into that situation, get an accountant, get a bookkeeper. Best thing that we can recommend because then you have someone on your side saying those purchases were viable and holding you accountable for those things. And also like you're not filing your taxes. So it's not like you're trying to slide something under the radar. That's actually when I got audited. It wasn't when I wasn't using a bookkeeper because I thought I could handle it, but I was using a bookkeeper on either the year before and the year after. So that could be suspicious. Don't do that. (laughs) Like consistently use help. But the thing about QuickBooks that I wanted to say with the receipts specifically, why not upload those in the moment? Because we've all had those receipts a year later, have no ink on them. And you're like, I don't even know what this is. If it's in a different language, you don't even know what it is, which happens a lot of the time. I'm looking at a Greek receipt. They don't even have the same alphabet as us. How do you know what is what? I would say our industry probably has the hardest to track for receipts than Many other industries, I I mean, yes, anything international is going to be a challenge in itself, especially if you're like dealing with Asia and you're dealing with different currencies, anything with a different alphabet, like it gets very complicated. So track your receipts in the moment, save yourself the strife and just not knowing or losing what a receipt is. That's my rant for you to protect yourself long term. I'm the audit queen. (laughs) Ashlyn, from your time in a more administrative role, what do you feel like was the best thing that saved you time? I think from my perspective as a VA, scheduling and automating workflow emails and just general emails throughout your day-to-day with clients, with suppliers, I really felt like that was the biggest game changer for me. Obviously, when I started, wasn't doing those things. I was asking Jen, hey, what should I do? And that's not the best way. So she kind of put some emails in place for me, gave me some canned verbiage. And then I was really able to start scheduling those emails. Um, We already have a workflow in place in TravelJoy. But whether you use Gmail, TravelJoy, or another CRM to automate emails and tasks, that's going to save you a ton of time just on your day-to-day. So with automating your workflow, if you have canned emails and forms that are fully typed out, ready to send at any time, that's not a template where you have to fill in the blanks. That is like a fully seamless zipped up email. Go ahead and automate those to go out on a specific day and time versus waiting to manually send those. Automating them will give you more time to focus on other tasks for yourself. <laughs> and if you are, and then you're at like actually multitasking without actually having to do two tasks at once. So I think that that was a really big time saver for me personally. Also, automating birthday emails, passport expiration notices, and anniversary emails, if you like that kind of thing. Not everybody sends those. Something to note here is that in Travel Joy, you can only automate tasks that are tied to a trip start date a trip end date, or a task list import date. So these three specific emails are pretty difficult to automate from the task list view. So you'd need to actually calculate how many days these are away from any of those three qualifying automation options, which I'm not a math girl. Don't know about you guys, but I just 
that's just not my thing. Instead, I think the best plan of action is to schedule the email to go out on a specific day and time by queuing up the email instead of trying to automate it through that task list, if that makes sense. Just pulling up the email, scheduling it that way versus trying to do it through a task list. And then finally, turning on autoresponders when you go out of office. I will admit in the past, in past jobs, I am absolutely guilty of not having an autoresponder in place when I head out of office, which is just not realistic in this industry. Out of office emails are so important because you never want your clients to be left on red, so to speak. So oversharing is always better than leaving out the fact that you leave for Italy tomorrow for three weeks and you won't have access to internet the whole time. So clients on the cusp of booking may drop you, clients in travel may panic and resent you for it. And you never want to do that and put your clients in that mindset. So I think it's really great to turn on autoresponders in niche. I know Jen already mentioned we have an autoresponder template, but I just think that that is such a great thing to automate to, for one, save you time and not have to worry about your clients while you're traveling. I love the autoresponder and it's something that Travel Joy, if you utilize Travel Joy, they didn't previously have an autoresponder. So you were reliant on your email autoresponder, but your email autoresponder obviously wouldn't respond to anything that came through Travel Joy. And as you use more and more communication through the platform of Travel Joy, it became cumbersome because now you've got this entire bank of emails that are just going unresponded to, but that's where you wanted to point them to. So they did a beta test, they brought it in. I think it's worked fabulously. If you're not seeing that in your TravelJoy system, double check your settings and make sure you're turning that on. Something that we are big on, and if you have not listened to the episode that we had on going out of office, is making sure that your clients do know when you're going out of office so that you can prepare accordingly. And then, of course, testing all technology to make sure your clients are prepared for you to go out of office. And that, to me, includes also your voicemail like we touched on before, like changing your voicemail recording if you're going to be out of office so that people aren't just submitting that voicemail and leaving it for you and then just thinking that you're not responding. Of course, if they're doing it correctly, they would be listening to the voicemail and then directing that question to your email according to the script that we use. But we all know that isn't always the case. So if you haven't listened to the episode on going out of office, it is episode three and we highly recommend it because it can definitely help automate that process. Another thing that I've recently really leveraged is Calendly workflow. And I'll be honest, I didn't do this as much in travel and I've started doing it a lot more when we transitioned to recording our supplier coffee chats for Niche. And that is utilizing the reminders. So you can set up the Calendly workflow to Obviously, have multiple events. If you're using Calendly or Acuity, you know you can set different types of events. So for example, in the travel space, I would recommend doing an intake call, a one-off call, a client wrap-up call, a supplier call, and having different questions built into those event types that help you get in the right mindset and prepare for those calls. I never want to jump on a call and be surprised by the topic or the question. So if it's a one-off call, what do they want to address? What are the goals of that call? I always say, what is the goal of your call? What is the desired outcome? What's the takeaway so that I can help prepare that? There's no point in setting any call if I don't have the right resources to provide you with, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't know. I would rather put a pin in it, 
work with the supplier, get an answer, work with the, my colleagues and come back and schedule the call then or send it in an email is always my ideal format of communication. But with Calendly workflows, you can also set different reminders. They can go to text, they can go to email, and you can also set follow-ups that can request an additional follow-up meeting so they can be prompted to schedule another call. You can also include different team members. So it would sync and honor both of your calendars. There are so many different ways that Calendly works now. But to me, there is nothing worse, especially if it's a video call, getting my face ready, getting my hair ready, and then getting on that call to be stood up. No one has time for that. Now you spend an hour getting ready. You've prepared for the call. And then the person forgets the call because they didn't get a text reminder, an email reminder, whatnot. When I'm looking at Calendly's like marketing for the the workflow specifically, they're like, cut your stand-up time by XYZ percentage. And I'm sure they have a metric around it, but I feel like it's astronomical because I used to get stood up for calls all the time. And I think people are just busy. They're they're not looking forward to this call like we are. They have other jobs. They are doing other things. They're probably wedding planning if they're a honeymoon couple. They might be new in a job. They might be a busy parent. You don't know what's going on. And if they're not in front of a computer all day long, which is what we are, and we assume that everyone else is, they're not getting that 15 minute ding ding reminder, which by the way, still I have like squirrel brain and 15 minutes later, I'm on to the next thing. So those text reminders, I know would be helpful for me to get it at five minutes. And then also the follow-up thank you, just thanking them for their time, I think is a really kind and courteous way of following up with someone. And it can be generic enough that it doesn't need to be, thank you, I'll be following up with the proposal. Because what if you came to the conclusion they're not the best fit for you? But just a, a thank you is really nice. And I forgot that I actually implemented this. And I started getting email responses like, thank you. It was so great to meet you. And I'm like, oh, I sent them a thank you. Like that actually went further than I thought. In this industry, relationships reign supreme. So implementing workflows that can make people feel good that you don't have to think about, to me, that's a win all around. All right, Robin, you sh- you shared a new one to us earlier today. Okay, so I actually have two. We have a team of six people. So there's a lot of people and everyone has different content on their phone. Also, if you've been following along, we've been we're in the process of gearing up for a travel. We're about to head to Italy with a group. We have fans inside a niche. So we're going to Costa Rica and Greece and all these incredible places, but not the entire team is going. So I created a shared album on my phone. This was like, a, I'm up at 3am. What else am I going to do other than organize my photos? And I started finding all of these really awesome like B-roll videos that would be great for social media. I'm like, dang it. I got to send these to Katie, but a text is lame. I never want to text an employee for work ever. And email just gets so chaotic for me. So I created a shared album for our team to upload any sort of B-roll video. We could do images too for people to easily go ahead and clean out their... Because we create content all the time for social media. And right now, like the oh, here I am just effortlessly working at my desk and looking so cute doing it is really content that converts right now on social media. So creating that shared album is just a quick and easy way. Instead of being like, hey, here's a form, upload it here, tell me about it. It's like, boom, done. It's already on your phone. You're in the same app that you took the video in. So it makes it super easy. I'm not under the... I think automations and systems can get overly complicated really quick. And I'm like the queen of making something super complicated before I dumb it down. But this is just one way. If you do have a team, 
and you know, there's people going on a fam or they're traveling personally and you need a better way to organize and collect that content for yourself to share on like the company social media platform, highly recommend shared album, totally free on your iPhone. Super easy. My second favorite automation in business is Gmail. I automate the crap out of my Gmail. I get so many emails a day from random freebies I've downloaded, not not because I want the freebie, because I wanted to see their marketing behind the scenes. So I have I've subscribed to a lot, so my email quickly gets flooded. However, and I also get like updates from various systems and stuff like that. So in my Gmail account, everything is organized into super clear folders. So I have a client folder, I have an affiliates folder, I have a courses, a fam trips, all of these different things. So I can keep my email clean. And then when certain people email me, so let's say, for example, Loom is one of our platforms that we use all the time. We send people videos. If they're interested in our course, here's like a behind the scenes look. Also, we send them to our team. So I'm constantly getting these annoying notifications that people have watched the video, which is fine, but they like clog my inbox. So I created a filter or an automation inside of Gmail that when a Loom video comes in, it skips my inbox, it stays unread, but it's automatically linked into my platform's Loom folder out of sight. I really don't need to know like what's going on. We have our, you know, define your dream client guide. And I would say we probably get like 50 downloads a day on it. And it was clogging my inbox as well. So that's automatically synced. So I can see how many people are downloading it because it stays unread, but it misses my inbox entirely and goes straight into a folder. So when I was booking travel, I would have different tags and I created labels and I still use this today, but I have a label that is colored, like it's a bright color. And the label is this week, meaning it's an email that I need to do, have some sort of action, follow up, whatever this week. And then I have another label that's today. So a client has an emergency. This needs to be handled today. I need to get back to this person about this thing today. It automatically will like, I restructured my inbox to filter today messages. So they're first and foremost on their own line. This week is right underneath. And then it's everything else. But nothing inside my Gmail, there's no emails that are just sitting. Anything in my inbox is something that needs my eyes or something I'm actively working on. If not, it's archived or it's put into a folder and I can access it later very easily because it's very organized. But that's something I have created a ton of filters. It just notifies me. It keeps me like for our shop. When somebody buys a shop item, they automatically get tagged and there's like a green tag I use for shop and I get to see it, but it's marked as red. So it doesn't. If I'm looking at my phone, the only things that are marked as unread are things from people that need my immediate need a reply or they're emailing me directly, but any sort of like mass emails from people unread and I'll filter them later. Any sort of like downloads, purchases, contract was signed unread because there's nothing for me to actively do on it, but it sits in my inbox so I can see it, get excited about it and filter it. So that's just something if you are a Gmail user, there's so many capabilities to keep that organized. I kind of think of that as my virtual desk. And if I have a messy desk, I have a messy brain. Yeah. And I need my business brain to be like on full operating all the time. I actually did a training on this inside of niche. I think it was the end of last year. Yeah. It was really, really good. So if you're a niche member, go check that out. I actually show you how I create all my automation. So it's a super awesome video. And I might need to do like a remodel of it because it's changed slightly, but basics are still there. So that is one of my other favorite automations. I love this. And I, you know, that 
I was one of those people that had over 100,000 unread emails. I am the polar opposite of Robin when it comes to things, but I've learned so much about like how to control my chaos. Now, like if I have five, I'm panicking. So I've come a long way, I would say, but I don't utilize the filters quite as much. I still manually do them because I like to put my eyes on things. And I would say to me, I would like to sit down one day because once it's done, it's done, right? Like I think people think like, oh my gosh, that feels very overwhelming to tackle that task. Well, no, it's not. You're just putting labels on things and it'll probably take you half a day if that's great CEO day task, or you can outsource that very easily. So like there are a lot of people that will help you clean up your brain. And that is one thing that someone could easily help you go into your Gmail, create these tags, and then you use it from here. I mean, we have a ClickUp organizer working on our back office systems right now. So if you need someone to help you create labels, find that person. If you're not the type of person that thinks in systems, but you will utilize a system, just do it. Get it taken care of so that you are organized moving forward. It will change your life and how you approach your business. Don't forget to check those folders now. That's the one thing is like, once you create those folders, don't forget to check them. And I think that's an easy thing that can happen. But if you implement a system, use a system. So make sure that if you are collaborating with someone else to help you implement it, make sure they know your brain and how you work so that you're more likely to not resist it and to continue that automation. And that goes for anything. I think that's like a blanket statement that we could say about anything is like, make sure whatever automation you implement in your business, it is something that you can sustain. And it's the way that your brain works so that you're not constantly finding a workaround because that takes more time than just giving in to do what you want to automate. I've been guilty of that before. And I'm not trying to be like, nobody should have any inbox emails. Like that's just how my brain works. I never missed client communications. That was something I was very proud of as an advisor. I think that a lot of people do struggle with that genuinely, especially right now. Like, oh, who do I have in proposal phase? Like you could even create tags within your Gmail. If if you're not using a project management system, you could even start to create tags of where people are going or step of the process. We won't get into all of that. But just like Robin said, there's an endless way of creating systems in Gmail. So in the most simplistic way, creating filters to have things go categorically is still going to allow you to like, when you open your finance folder, you're only in your finance brain. It's not like you're opening a million tabs. And I think a lot of advisors can be really guilty of like trying to work on their business in their business all in one hour. And it's really a challenge. All right. Here is the thing everyone talks about and it it can feel like it never gets done or it gets done sporadically. And that is social media. So Ashlyn. Planally, my love, to be honest, the idea of scheduling social media felt very weird slash different to me at first. I had always been a post as I go kind of person on my own personal social media. And I loved that. But from a business perspective, that is just not realistic. Unless you're posting on your stories in real time while traveling, that's super cool. But time or lack thereof is the largest limiting factor in this being a realistic method for keeping up with your social media. Once Jen taught me how to use it and how our posting cadence works, I started to take over Explorator's Instagram using the planned post method and batching method. I can tell you I absolutely saw a huge difference that it had on not only the appearance of the social grid, 
but also the user interactions and volume of new people seeing the pages. My personal account honestly has no rhyme or reason. It's just what it is. It feels clunky. It doesn't follow a cadence or a color palette, which I would absolutely not recommend for this for attempting to promote a business. You want to have a system in place. And I truly believe planning things out and using a platform like Planoly is the best way to do so. What do dinner reservations, spa bookings, and sourcing one-off hotels outside your scope all have in common? You don't ever have to do them again. No, seriously, that's what Lucia is for. Lucia is a freelancer marketplace where you can outsource items on your to-do list on a task-per-task basis. All freelancers are sourced from within the travel industry. So if you're wondering, will they get it? They will. For a $57 discount on your annual membership, head on over to the show notes and join Lucia today. Yeah, Planoly is a game changer. Now that they do reels and carousels, they do carousels now, right? And stories, yeah. Yeah. They definitely evolved quickly because there were so many people having to like go in and manually post. And I remember when we first started Teak, Robin would be like, Hey, I'm out Bola. Can you post it? And because it would be a carousel. It was so frustrating. Now it's it's much easier. It's such an intuitive system, too. I think the biggest collaborative piece for anyone listening to this that has maybe a VA or is working with another partner that's doing the social media is that it it allows you to read it like a resume. Like it, it allows you to look at it like a grid instead of the antiquated way of just, hey, I'm gonna do this content in this order. So you can see the depth that's created by different types of images or just the overall grid colors, touching colors. I know that's something that it just falls flat if you see like a bunch of skies in a row. And so combining like flat lay people, landscape for travel, that's the cadence we followed. And then also creating captions. And obviously this could be a whole podcast, 13 podcasts actually in itself, but creating caption banks based on on content pillars, not having to worry about jumping in at 5am when the optimal posting time is or following, you know, those trends of when people are consuming the most content, you might be sleeping, you might be out doing something else. So it's a massive weight off of your shoulders as a business advisor, because you can batch it and then you can forget it. And it doesn't have to be this monster that people get this churn in their stomach every time they think about social media. LastPass. If you think about LastPass or any password protector website, I don't know what the term for that would be. We use LastPass in a way that I do think applies automation. So for example, Ashlyn would be using an account of mine. As the client experience manager, she was jumping into my systems. And with that being said, if I had to change a password, or we added a new membership and I said, hey, can you jump into Planoly? I could create her as a family in my LastPass and then share that entire bank that applied to her. So it didn't, she didn't have to get my bank information. She could get my social media, my CRM, all of those things. I could group them as a category and then I could share them. And she actually never even saw the password, but it would give her like the hidden password and apply it on her side. So when I would change the password, you also get that prompt in the right hand corner. If you have the Chrome extension installed where it says, 
hey, do you want to update this password on LastPass? And I click yes, and it automatically updates the password. So there's an automation component there. And then it will allow her to use that same updated password because it's in the bank in storage. If I had been out on a safari, this is a true story, actually. If I had been out on a safari and a client had to cancel their trip the next day because they had COVID and Ashlyn couldn't get into my system to know what supplier I was working with for that trip, it it would be a financial risk. There would be a liability component here. There would be panic. Just so much unnecessary stress that could be alleviated by providing that LastPass bank to people that you trust the most. So to me, LastPass, any kind of, there's one password or one, I think that's what it's called. Anything like that, that allows you to create a way for other people to get those passwords without having to chase them down is going to save you time. It's going to save them time. It's going to save stress and could really be a risk management component too. That's LastPass. If you don't have that, also who who the heck needs to be resetting their password every time they try to go. Who's guilty of that? Like, I feel like if someone's listening to this, they're like, oh my gosh, how many times have you reset a password? That takes time. I think in, in the number of clicks, if you can reduce the number of clicks in your life, you are getting more efficient. Think in clicks. Does it take you less clicks to utilize a password bank and keep that contained? Yes, of course it does. And I think if your team member changes or if Ashlyn moved on from the role, it's super, it's hard We had an employee leave and she was in charge of like basically all of her passwords. So then, and of course it wasn't a bad end of the relationship by any means, but you just want to make sure that you're protecting your business too. So we had to literally go in and like manually change passwords for everything, which was the major pain in the butt. I think in LastPass, all you have to do is disregard or like resign them from having access to like whatever bank you do give them access to, and then they no longer can even see it. So That also, as you grow your team or you're looking for contractors who are here one day and gone the next, it's also beneficial in that in that realm. And that kind of takes us over to team management. So if you listen to episode nine, Tools for Managing Your Team, I briefly talked about this platform and got really, really pumped about it and just why I'm loving it. So this, I'm here to talk about Tango. Again, if you listen to episode nine, you know that I'm very passionate about this. But whenever we launched AEA, we talked about SOPs and like the crowd went wild. Like everyone was really excited about SOPs because they truly are like the best, most efficient way to ensure that your client experience, your processes are followed thoroughly every single time. But Tango, it's a browser extension that creates this how-to guide instantly. So what happens is you download Tango, you put it into your browser. And when you use the browser extension, the browser will go ahead and watch your movements on a screen. So let's say, for example, I'm sending a proposal to a client and I want to use Tango to capture this processy so I can share it with my VA. What I would do is I would click Tango, say start workflow, and then just send the proposal, do all the clicks, do all the things that I would normally do. And Tango just sits back and like is on the background and watches what I'm doing watches the buttons I'm clicking, watches what I'm typing, and goes ahead and makes a automatic how-to guide. So it looks like a little book. It's got pictures. You can edit the description and add more details. One of the very first things I always do when I start an SOP is like say to log in to whatever platform it is. And inside of the description, I can easily upload the username and password. So it's like one-stop shop. Someone has everything they need when looking at this SOP. I have always been very big on creating an SOP manual. The team is about to get annoyed at me because I'm about to go ham on them again to start doing their SOPs. 
But it was really hard for me to make SOPs as a CEO who's like, hey, everyone make your SOPs. And then I hated doing them because constantly having to record Loom videos was just exhausting. I don't know why talking burns too many calories. I don't know. It takes too much brain power, but it just the mental process of dictating every single step became exhausting. I started making it too complicated for the actual video where I would just scrap it all together and be like, that was just me vomiting words everywhere. So Tango takes that out of it. And it's literally a how-to guide. It also will allow you to, if you like share a certain link with Tango, there's this, it's called Tango Teach Me. So when you're doing an SOP, it will actually like take you to the screen you need to be on and then put a little like, step one through whatever step number on like the side of the browser and walk you through exactly what buttons to click and help you learn, which is huge. Again, you just want to make sure that your process is completely documented perfectly, especially when it comes to processing payments and supplier payments and all those fun things. So Tango, it's free up to a certain point. I think if you want like a huge, robust bank of Tango's, that requires payment. But for now, what I do is I, once we get close to our limit, I download it as a PDF and I just upload the guide as a PDF into our SOP manual and then boom, it's there and it sits and it's fine. I can like delete old SOPs as long as I download the current PDF file. I love that because everyone has a focus on SOPs right now. Like I've noticed this trend in the industry, like any organization you're in or membership, anything like that, I feel like a lot are starting to push obviously the business side, because we've got the client side down. We're getting lots of clients. There's a lot of clients in the world. But with that, you need to have really defined processes. For the most part, I don't think the industry, that's been the strength. I think the industry has been focused very much on showcasing the value of an advisor. And now that we feel seen and heard by the people, now it's time to really solidify those processes, especially as they are defined, because I know of a lot of advisors that haven't taken the time to even create processes until COVID. So now it's like, okay, we've all got the processes in place. Let's document them for the next generation. And it's important, Robin and I talk about this a lot, that your business isn't just your clients. And we tend to think of travel as like, okay, what's the next thing I can work on for my client during the day? but your business is your business. Clients are the piece of the puzzle that keep the wheels turning, but you can't have a business if you don't touch any other part of your business. So we've touched on SOPs. We've touched on finances. The other thing that I could argue is utilizing Gusto for automation of payroll. So if you've salaried yourself so that you're not having to hit process payroll, there were many times, I'm going to admit it, I was a bad manager and I would not pay Ashlyn on time, I would miss it by like four hours. I'd be like, dang it, you're getting paid Monday again. She's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. That's highly unprofessional. It's unacceptable in a business. Run your business like a business. And that's where I I really had like to have a come to Jesus with myself. And she started running payroll. <laughs> but there are also ways that you can auto pay salary. And that's what we do for our team now because we are not utilizing our contract CFO. So our entire team is on auto pay. So there's no risk of missing a payroll. And they also handle a lot of the taxes and there's so much automation. It's more of an outsourcing, but to me, it's automation because it's something that we don't touch. So I would even look at your business departmentally and say, what can I automate in this versus just thinking, what can I automate in my client experience process? Because 
you're going to have more time for your client experience process if you automate all the other pieces surrounding your business. Needless to say, we live in a pretty incredible time where more and more automation is possible. With how much travel advisors manage, it can be truly impossible to scale and operate a high-performing business without some level of automation. And just to note, it is super overwhelming to implement all of these things at once. However, we challenge anyone listening to think about how you can reduce one task by adding some kind of automation. You'd be surprised how much one task can change your day and stress levels. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.